0: everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Reinsurance Podcast. And it's a special episode today. As you can tell, Jared is not introducing us. It's me introducing us because it's the first ever Reinsurance Podcast on Tour episode. And today, we are actually in Munich uh, at the Allianz offices and joined by two of Allianz Re's foremost professionals. We have the CEO of Allianz Re, Holger tevers Kampelman and also the Chief Group Reinsurance Officer Thorsten Fromhold. I, I hope I've said both their names. Well, we did have a practice, but uh, <laughs> my German is still a work in progress. But welcome both. Willkommen beim Rückversicherungspodcast is my best attempt to say uh, hello in German. Uh, how are you both doing?
1: Very good. Thanks for having us.
0: And, and that first voice you're hearing is Holger, so hello, Holger. And Torsten, <laughs> how are you feeling about being on the
2: podcast? Excellent. I'm thrilled to be on the podcast for the first time.
0: Yeah, We're really glad to have you here, and, and thank you for welcoming us to your offices. Uh, we're currently just about between November and December, so this is the best possible time, I think, to be talking with you about the, the, the really interesting market conditions that we're experiencing at the moment. We'll also spend some time today talking about Allianz Re because it's a very special entity, in my opinion. And I want to share with our listeners, you know, how you can have a, a reinsurer as part of, you know, one of the world's largest insurance groups. Uh, but we'll we'll have more to follow on that soon. To get started though, I thought it'd be great to introduce each of our guests. So Holger, perhaps you could start us start us off and give us a bit of background as to how on earth you ended up in reinsurance. It's always a good story.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. No, I guess like with all of us, when I joined kindergarten, I decided that I want to finally end up in (laughs) in reinsurance. (laughs) No kidding aside. Um, It was more an accident. So my family background is more in banking. I started in banking. I did a lot of risk management over the uh, years with studies and then worked in a bank. But uh, due to family reasons, uh, And personal reasons I wanted to move to Munich and and then I thought about an an internationally presented uh, insurance or banking group and that's how I applied at Allianz Group because at that time they still had Dresner Bank Mm -hmm. so we had a little bit of a banking exposure and I joined at that time not the reinsurance part of Allianz Group but directly in the group finance function and worked there on capital topics and similar things. And one led to the other, and finally I got the opportunity to apply my understanding about capital management as the CFO of Allianz Re. And that is when I joined the reinsurance world 10 years ago. Fabulous, and, and we're going to be
0: tapping into as much of your capital management knowledge as possible in the, in the second part of this episode, so. Very exciting. How, how about you, Torsten? Tell us about your kindergarten. And <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't have a, didn't have a
2: choice, right? So I did actuarial studies at university. So where are you going to end up? In the insurance industry, right? So also, <laughs> that holds true for me. So very true. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I mean, also, I, I have some family ties in, in insurance. My dad used to work for Allianz.
0: Oh, wow. So and,
2: and, and back at university, there were two things that were crystal clear for me. I would never work for Allianz, and I would never want to live in Munich. This is where I am. <laughs> so what, what changed? Was it, was it just your... You mentioned before we started well, recording... You, 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 you grow up, right? Yeah. And you suddenly realize that, you know, Munich is a beautiful city and probably Allianz is not the worst place to work for, right? So that's, that's what happened in between. No, I mean, I didn't join Allianz right after graduating. I actually started my job or my career as a, as a reinsurance broker with Guy Carpenter back then. So not even on the actuarial side. And at some point in time... More for well, it was resource constraints. That's why they forced me or pushed me into the actuarial, onto the actuarial side of things again, which was fairly good. So I think I just gained a broad overview, and then I went to to Switzerland, working for a small insurance reinsurance company, for a couple of years before I then, well, got the opportunity to join Allianz, and that's back when Allianz Re was established, and well had a couple of actuarial underwriting roles there. And now I'm on the seeded side of things.
0: Which is very exciting. We, we, we love uh, seeded re-professionals. I think we've got an amazing episode today because we are able to talk about both inwards and outwards reinsurance in the same episode with the same guests. So very excited to dive into both uh, sides of the coin with with the two of you. But beforehand, can we just talk a little bit about the market right now? Because I don't think we've seen a market like this for you know more than a decade, if not a couple of decades. Anything that you can even think of to say to sum up where we are at the moment?
1: I guess it's hard to capture it in one word, but I think the main theme is a lot of lack of clarity, uncertainty. It's not only a pure hard market where prices go up. It's also that a lot of players just don't know what their appetite is should be or can be because of things happening in the retro market on the alternative capital side with ILS and the likes so therefore there's just a lot of uncertainty which adds to the uh, delay which we see in the market which again yields to more uncertainty but I think Torsten is closer to it he has definitely seen more of it no
2: absolutely I mean look I was not around in the reinsurance world in nineteen hundred and ninety two. <laughs> but some people, older than I am, um keep on telling me that well they they see the situation a bit similar to right in nineteen ninety two when or after Hurricane Andrew hit. Um probably with one difference. Um and this is I mean, back then quite a number of new reinsurance carriers were found or established, right? And Currently, it's a bit the other way around. I mean, many people are just moving away from reinsurance, moving away from CAT reinsurance, and that's probably what is defining this current marketplace, right? I mean, it's a bit, let's say, a certainly a shortage of capacity in some areas. I think in the U.S. we'll really look at the shortage of capacity. Um, and I would say in the rest of the reinsurance markets, it's a push for... For quality from the reinsurers. Um, I mean as a as a seed, I must say that we have quite some understanding for the difficult situation of the reinsurers but also we believe that we have to find a, a mutual situation right uh, and we still have to be partners right and some reinsurers are very reasonable some reinsurers I perceive nowhere near reasonable currently and this is why there, I mean, there's a lot of an inconsistency out there. There's no market consensus yet.
0: No, I, I can imagine, and it'd be interesting to get the counter perspective. Holger, are you seeing, you know, the other side of this from the the inward side? Do you, could you help explain to our listeners maybe why this class of '92, '93 hasn't emerged? What, what's scaring off a, a new breed of reinsurers going big on, you know, the post-Ian or post-lack of capacity mm-hmm. kind of.
1: I think there are two themes coming to my mind. On the one side, I think there is some concern around climate change. So you have had uh, the alternative capital flowing the market because you could model the exposures, and therefore also laymen got an understanding for the exposures and the risk which they are entering in. And that kind of consensus is put in question by a little bit climate change and the events over the last years. So therefore, um some people who could contribute capital and are not so familiar with the reinsurance market and the risk and so on, they, they are shying away or are reluctant. And the second theme coming to my mind is also what happens in the wider capital market. because um, ILS capital is also part of the larger alternative space. And if you look at alternatives, in general, there's less capital willing to go into alternative capital especially also ILS, because if you think about credit spreads, which is completely different asset class, but if you are an allocator of assets and capital, you look at corporate bonds and they are now yielding maybe 150 pips more. So you have a much more decent return. And then you look at the cut side, which you might not so good understand as you thought, and then you say, okay, at first the rates have to go up. And secondly, I'm not sure how much capital I have because maybe I also took a hit because my investors, which provide me again the capital, yeah. lost some money on the capital market and the equity market. So therefore, I think these two themes on the one side, climate change, what does it do to all those exposures? Do we really understand them? Secondly, there are other things in the capital market happening, which maybe attract uh, as an opportunity, some money, or just reduce the risk appetite.
0: Makes a lot of sense. And, and I, I guess that's what's leading or contributing to what has been called, I think, a standoff at the moment, where you know the, the brokers and, and their clients are sort of doing their best to try and pull some kind of quotes and terms out of the reinsurance markets, but the reinsurers are waiting patiently or putting out very high quotes uh, for now. Do you, do you think many deals if any are going to close on time on, on the first of january or do you think we're going to see you know a lot of deals landing
2: much later than normal well i'm hopeful that we can close everything by the end of the year i mean that's my yeah. assumption right um i mean there's a there's a lot of delay now and um, not a lot of consistency yet mm-hmm. there's still four and a half weeks to go so i think we still have plenty of time to, to get everything home and also i mean the the signals we're getting from the markets are, I mean, I think we share that, yeah. like, desire. We want to get it done by the end of the year. So Christmas is cancelled, but everything will get done. <laughs> yes, I mean, I just learned that um, New Year's Eve actually is a Saturday. It'll be a normal working day. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry to hear that. I hope it's not,
0: not too much pressure for you both on both sides of this, this uh, very, very unusual renewal season. I, and, and do you think, because it's interesting, we, we're talking a lot about this year, because that's the first time we're really seeing these conditions tested. But obviously, uh, inflation, interest rates, they're not showing any sign of going away immediately. How do you think we'll be thinking about this next year? Will we be having the same conversations or will we have found a new normal, a new class maybe does emerge? Or how, where do you think we'll be in a year's time?
1: I think it will be a little bit more a new normal. So some of those uh, drivers of the uncertainty will will have sorted out a bit one way or the other. The capital market, let's say there is then maybe uh, another ongoing crisis or the crisis deepens, who knows. But at least then you have some time to prepare for it. And then on the other side also with climate change and all the other things, zones will be sorted out by then. But at least people have had a little bit more time to figure out what their appetite is in one way or the other, it will have sorted out. And even if then there is less capacity and then people will have more time to adjust to it, it will be a little bit less uncertain and therefore I think
2: maybe a new normal.
0: Good to hear. And then uh, uh, from your perspective, Jules,
2: my, my best, I share that, share that view, right? I mean, you know, and, and, and to a large degree also, what the reinsurers are pushing for is healthy for the industry. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we shouldn't forget about that. Right. I mean, we have to understand the impact of climate change. We have to make sure that we get the right premium adequacy at the front end. Right. And that's, I think, where let's say working for a strong organization such as Allianz makes a difference. Right. And and that's also the way we're looking at it. Right. I mean, um, we will finally benefit from a strive for quality. Yes. And that's why I think we'll look at a new normal at some point in time. Maybe not next renewal, but anytime soon. Brilliant. And
0: I guess also you know, with the scale of Allianz, to some extent, your, your reinsurance purchasing is is almost optional <laughs> in some ways, right? You're, you're looking to...
1: Absolutely. Rein- but I guess um, when we have a little bit of more time and, and stakeholders, not only within Allianz, but also stakeholders of Allianz, like uh, investors and so on, if those parties have a little bit more time, they will all adjust and then it will settle in maybe in a different space, right? We should not forget that we had a long time of a rather soft market. So people, in our case, if you look at our retention for the key risks on the natural catastrophe side, this retention has been the same absolute amount for a long, long time, the whole time which I have been with Allianz 3. So people have not been used to adjusting that. So now the new normal is okay. You have to look at inflation, capacity. You adjust it, and then it will be more of an annual exercise. Now it's a little bit of a of a change, but if you have gone once through it, people will adjust, and then it it will settle.
0: That makes sense. And, and does that create extra work for seeded reteams? Are, are your your team at the moment, Torsten, having to sort of reorganize things that haven't been changed for ever and ever? What's what what does that I mean, maybe it's worth actually spending some time on. What, what is the process for, for getting ready for renewals
2: in general? What's involved? I mean, in, in, in general, right? This year, as in each and every other year as well, it was all about kind of gathering all the information and in a huge organization such as Allianz that involves quite a number of individuals also down to operating entity level. I can only imagine. Um, I mean, yeah. we do cover almost 50, 60 operating entities in our reinsurance protections, so it's quite a lot to do there. Then I think the the biggest focus point this year, which was different from the years before, was inflation and yeah. how to factor that in. I mean, for the first time ever, we have presented prospective exposure information and modeling results to the data uh, to the to the reinsurance. Right, so that that yeah. was that was never the case before. I mean, before we ran the model based on whatever we pulled from the systems um, and provided the results to the reinsurance. And this year we did a huge exercise in kind of on-leveling this um, with our view of inflation all the way into mid-next year. And I think that was fairly well accepted by the, by the Rangers. So already this was an effort which was probably double the effort as all the years before. And now, I mean, in such a hard market, it's just you have to be flexible. You have to react. You have to, let's say, have all forces aligned and everybody well-prepared in order to support ad hoc decisions which is, in an organization such as Allianz, not easy. I mean, you need to involve quite a number of stakeholders there, and that's the additional effort we're currently looking at. Yeah, I bet <coughs> we have an expression, you fail
0: to prepare, prepare to fail. It sounds like you're very prepared, which is, which is good, I'm sure. Uh, even operationally, a lot of other you know, smaller insurers will be struggling with the, the new demands to sort of evidence a, a good year ahead uh, on paper, at least. Brilliant. And how do you think about because it's a unique organization, Allianz? When when you think about buying reinsurance for Allianz, you mentioned there's many many entities all over the world. You've got, of course, many different lines of business and you know uh, different products, retail versus commercial, and and so on where do you even start in terms of which bits by reinsurance in which groups and so on it must be a very interesting challenge
1: i would say that there's no point where we start it's just that we never stop so yeah. it's basically <laughs> all around the year as um, the moment where you have placed it already there are some some discussions about things which you want to then adjust the the coming year and and then you have uh, early on in the year some uh, what we call strategic discussions and a strategic dialogue where we talk about things which we see in the market and things which we have received from our reinsurers and other business partners as feedback and maybe sometimes in renewal you say, okay, look, we take it up and we do a step in this direction, but uh, there is more to come later and, and those things will then be picked up and, and uh, discussed for the coming year. So therefore... It's an ongoing exchange and dialogue.
0: So being such a large group uh, and, and buying your reinsurance, I, I presume, must bring with it some some challenges, obviously, as we, we discuss with, with so many entities. But does it bring some advantages as well? Uh, being able to see, I guess, so many portfolios around the world when you make your decisions? or
2: Absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it brings advantages to you as an individual, since I think there's there are not many individuals in the organization that have such a broad overview. Right? And that's also good fun, right? And it's entertaining. That's what really what I enjoy about my job. Ideal for reinsurance, nerds, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, <laughs> such as myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but also, I mean, look in a, in a marketplace like this, right, where obviously the main pressure is on cat, property cat, right? And I would say that each and every P&C insurance company needs to get their cap covers placed, right? Now, looking at the fact that a group like Allianz is seeding almost two and a half billion euros of premium into the reinsurance market, there's a potential to leverage other placements, right? And let's say the relationships, the overall relationships and the relationship management towards the reinsurers is, is essential. And this year... That's what's making the difference.
0: Good to hear. We, we talk very often about the importance of relationships and reinsurance and that this is, I guess, exactly the kind of scenario. How, how do you do that uh, in real life? Is it, you know, having to think about your markets differently, try and have a holistic client conversation? Is, is that where all these big industry conferences come in? What's the sort of practical implications of trying to manage things that way?
1: I think it's about, long-lasting relationships as you said also on a personal level you have been around for a long time and you know the people on the other side and and you are reliable and therefore there is a lot of trust that's I think helping and secondly um, the holistic view that is I guess what you also said and what I only can stress uh, that you sit together on a more senior level and say look this is the whole range of uh, activities which are under discussion How does it work? How do we make it fit for both sides? And that is uh, the benefit which we have. And then I would also add that obviously, and you mentioned that also before, we have the opportunity if if something doesn't have the full appetite from the market we can absorb things. So therefore we are a little bit more flexible and and these are the times where you can use that flexibility. But I think Torsten can say more about the day-to-day management of all those relationships.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's essentially why my new role has been established. And Congratu- what has congratulations, been. by the way. The new role. Um No, I mean, that's, that's the key idea of this new role, I would say, right? I mean, we're currently placing or mainly placing out of three placement units, placement vehicles, right? I would say that whenever we pool risks from more than one operating entity, then it's seeded out of Allianz Re. Whenever our specialty carriers are seeding from their balance sheet, which is AGCNS Allianz Global Corporate and Specialty, and Allianz Trade doing the credit surety business, right? They do it f- f- out of their own seeded team right? And my new role is going to be an overarching umbrella over all these seeded teams, right? In order to ensure that we look at all the relationships, you know, as a as a whole from a holistic perspective.
0: Yeah, make, makes sense. In in a, in a former life, I, I had a, uh, a role trying to bring together uh, the entire relationship between a very large broker and a few of its sort of global clients and partners and trying to almost work out the balance of trade between the two where, you know, they were partnering with each other across so many different regions and lines of business, trying to reconcile who was actually sending flows more in one way than the other was almost impossible. So I'm sure... It's quite a challenge for, for for you guys as as well. I, I wanted to ask a little bit about actually the the data involved in all of this, especially given in in, in in times gone by it was maybe easier for reinsurers in order to get onto business to sort of maybe neglect the data a little bit and say, well, you know, it doesn't really matter, we want to be on the deal. Are you finding that the data is coming under a microscope a lot more this year? Is there more pressure on on that side of things? and to be able to present a very good, you know, clean record of your business going forward?
2: I wouldn't say so. I mean, I wouldn't say that specifically this market is pushing for, well, even more increased quality on the data side. I mean, we've been historically very good on the CAT data side of things. I mean, we have a huge group-wide CAT data warehouse in place. Where we've won data language and like each and every operating entity is feeding into this so whenever we provide modeling data exposure data um, to the reinsurers i think that is fairly state-of-the-art right i mean there cannot be much more they would be asking for yeah um, i mean also as a lesson learned from things like the pandemic and the losses caused by the pandemic we realized that on the non-CAT side of things, we're probably not that strong, right? And that is something we have to internally work on. And also on that side of things, the reinsurers are more and more asking for, let's say, a accurate data, an overview of exposures out there, which is, that's a trend, I'd say, right? I mean, you know, if you want to have, I don't know, NDBI covered, you have to t- be able to tell the reinsurers how much exposure you have out there, right? Which is well still a challenge for us and that's what we're currently focusing on
0: makes makes sense and i guess these are things probably you're looking at
2: on the the inward side
0: with all the more attention uh, and and maybe also worth touching on, on actually the scale of Allianz re as a inward's reinsurer because uh, i i didn't realize actually quite how large the group is but you you do quite a lot of inward's business all over the world um what, what do you think your various underwriting teams will be looking out for most uh, as they review submissions this year?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, first we differentiate between the business from our sister companies, the what we call internal business, and then we have the, party, the third party business. So on the third party side, we are a little bit less than 2 billion. Um, but I think it's fair to say that this is not a standard mix of business because we obviously try to use the diversification benefit of the group and try not to, to, on the one side, place with a lot of effort certain risk in the market and then take the same risk back, right? So therefore, we try to complement our Alliance Group portfolio. So that means that we are stronger in Asia yep. than, uh, for example, in Europe or US, the US. And then also in terms of lines of business, we look for business which is a little bit less volatile more also with uh, with an eye towards capital optimization and uh, structural transactional business because that fits better to the overall group risk profile. And that's something which we always do. We see ourselves first and foremost as, uh, as a service provider to the group by on the one side making sure that we have the best protection out there on behalf of the group and on the other side, complementing the risk profile with profitable business from third parties, which are diversifying in nature. So that is how we think about ourselves. And that's uh, what we look out in, in terms of third party business.
0: Brilliant. They're super interesting. We're, we're going to dive a bit more into Allianz Re really in a moment. We, we have to let Torsten run back to managing all of <laughs> the global Allianz groups uh, reinsurance purchases, but... I uh, Torsten, any final words before before
2: you run off, not to use a, a reinsurance ban? Well, uh, thanks for having me and I mean it was a great great experience. Well, my very first podcast ever. So thanks for you know giving me that opportunity and well enjoy the rest of the session. Thanks, thanks Ben. Thanks Bye. very
0: much. You've been a fabulous guest. We'll see you soon.